You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the spirits. Oh, so I call out first to your ancestors and then to mine. I call out to all of those that have gone before us who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines, who bring all of that to us as our legacy, as our ancestral inheritance, as those energies that can help us to make better choices as the living, to not necessarily do what those uh, who've gone before us have done if that's not exactly what needs to happen so we ask these ancestors to come and stand with us and to remember to remember all that they did well and all they wish they'd done differently but to remember and to hold that memory for us so that we can use our minds not to be in that past but to be in the present to innovate and be creative and to open our hearts where necessary, to hold true to two traditions where that would give us strength and groundedness and clarity, but simply to be in the world in a good way that is an active, vital, loving link between that which has been and all that will be. And we ask the ancestors to help us to be these people, the living who are here now, doing what we have been called into life at this time to do. So I ask these ancestors to gather around us and I give great thanks and gratitude for their presence. We give thanks to them for life. We ask them to watch over us and protect us and ultimately to help us with the tasks of this day. So with the ancestors gathered around, those human and non-human, we give great, great gratitude to that presence so that we can turn our awareness in from our minds to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and to reach down from our bellies into the earth and as we touch this most essential ancestor, the earth. Let us take a moment and give thanks for this day, gratitude for life, gratitude for all that has been on your journey that has made you the person that you are today. Gratitude even for all those gifts that you're still dragging around that you think are problems that you haven't yet figured out how to understand as the gifts and the teachings um, and the great beauty of the rest of your life. Then we give thanks for life here today, this moment. And we give thanks for all that is before us without needing to know precisely what that might be. So we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience to the face of this beautiful planet, for the great diversity and beauty of this planet, of all life and all of its many forms. We give such gratitude to the earth and take a moment in gratitude for the wonder and awe of life itself. And then as we reach down 
from the surface of the earth, from the spirits of the land and the great spirits of land where each one of us stands down through all the layers of the earth to the very center of the earth. Let us reach to this very, very deep core of the earth and draw up from the center of the earth. Energies that help us to restore and replenish and renew. Energies that bring to us all of the wisdom of manifestation. And may we draw these energies into our body and use them in our lives to create a sense of groundedness, actual choice of groundedness, and a sense of place and home, a sense of hearth, a sense of belonging. May we extend out from there in such a way that we feel connection and interconnection and ultimately the great connection of the web of life and the oneness with all things. So we give thanks to the earth for this energy and may we use it well in our day. And we draw this energy up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and we draw the energy of the earth all the way up. All the way up and out the top of our head and into the weather above, into the sky, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. Reaching all the way out through that velvety darkness and all the great mysteries that the universe holds that we have yet to understand. We reach all the way out to these energies and we ask the energy from above to come down to us, to bring to us the energy of blessing the energy of generosity, and in particular, the energy of protection. We call out to these energies to help us here today with inspiration and illumination and innovation. We call out to these energies that we might feel the generosity and benevolence of life. And we draw these sky energies down from the head to the heart and the heart to the belly. And from the belly, we send them all the way down to the center of the earth. That earth and sky are connected within us. These two great lovers made one within ourselves in the big love of this essential energy that birthed this entire world of form as we know it into physical existence. And so we call out to this energy within us to awaken the heart. And may the heart open in the great crucible of change that it is unique in our entire chakra system. We call out to the heart to be truly uniquely itself and to open. And to call up the fiery passions of the belly. And to draw down the crystal clarity of the mind. And to let these energies mix and mingle and dance in the heart. In a great passionate dance in which neither one is destroyed. This is not antagonistic dualism as many people believe. But is that great dance of the complementary dualism that it is at the heart of all physical existence. And in that dance of our passions and our clarity and our efforts to be here and to truly be alive. May that knowing of our soul's true purpose be born. And may that sense in our heart of what it is that we need to bring to the world come alive and awaken that heart memory that remembers why we are here. And may we find in this very same heart, magical place that it is, human courage, the courage to take action in some way, large or small, to do something to bring your soul's true purpose, your true gifts into manifestation in the world. And so for the presence of all of these energies around us and within us, we give thanks. May what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a good way for all living things. And speaking of living things, I would like to give thanks to Dolores, to Patricia and Gracie and to all of the listeners that have donated um, financially to the show to help to keep the show on the air. If this show moves you in any way. 
it has moved you in the heart and allow yourself to be moved into action in this most shamanic of ways by letting your heart motivation motivate then your actions in the world and i ask you to make an offering of some kind to help the show to grow strong to stay alive and be vital if you'd like to give a financial offering you can go to whyshamanismnow.com all of the archives are there from the very beginning of the show um and the new show i mean i'm sorry the most original shows that had hideous ads in them have been remastered and so we're entirely ad free from the beginning Anyway, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, connect to the support button, and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes to directly to keeping the show on the air, and I'm grateful for every bit of it. You um, Again, you can donate in any currency and in any amount. Um, and if you would like a monthly reminder, please email us here at Last Mass Center. We'd be happy to set up a monthly reminder for you. For those of you that don't feel comfortable donating on the air but would like to um, offer a donation, please email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy to give you a regular old address for a regular old check. And I am deeply grateful for those of you that are helping me financially. And I give thanks to all of you who that are sending in show ideas, that are showing in, sending in your questions, and that are also just sharing with me emails about um, the facts the facts that you are taking things you're hearing on the show and doing something with them in your life and that that is changing things. And for those emails, I'm also grateful. All of this keeps the show alive and well, um, helps me understand how the show is mattering and where it's not and helps me to guide and direct um, where we're going with the assistance of spirit. So I thank you all um, for all the many things you were doing to help the show to grow. Um, that this um, archive is available free to all who can get onto the internet is a great resource out there. And I thank those of you that are helping me to keep that resource available um, around the world. So thank you, everyone. So today, I wanted to do a show that was really sort of about taking stock. Contrary to stories prior to last year's winter solstice and much disappointment after when the spirit world didn't come in and save humanity from its own foolishness you know as if it could have right contrary to all of this popular brouhaha before and after the changing of the world so the truth is the worlds did change and we had a lot of shows about that preparing us for us there's lots and lots i was back looking at the shows and listening to the shows and there was so much material to journey on and to explore and as the as the fall equinox shocked me <laughs> as it arrived i thought god wasn't it just march you know and here it's already already october the equinox has come and gone and it made me think where are we are we doing anything to change the story to change the story for the people so that the next arc of thousands of years of humanity will be a different story. And I, I was partly thinking about this, frankly, because I was stuck in traffic. Um, I don't get stuck in traffic often, thanks to the organization of my life, but I was stuck in traffic for hours. And I was listening to some particularly inspiring TED Talks. And I, But I did have this thought. I was wondering, so how, how many people have actually changed from listening to a TED Talk? I mean, really change, change their actions or the way they truly think about things based on something they've heard in a TED Talk. So how have TED Talks um, 
you know, or, or, you know, have TED Talks simply become the conscious thinking person's television? Since there's, you know, not much to watch on television anymore, has that just been, been replaced by all of these TED Talks? Just watch TED Talk after another and just keep getting inspired, 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 feel better that the world might actually be changing, but then you actually do the same things the next day. You know, does it change us? Or does it inspire us to actually make a change? You know, I was listening to this woman who um, does this beautiful job talking about how she learned to talk, uh, listen to the voices in her head after being diagnosed as a schizophrenic and and following down this what is our current um, Western path of um, supposed quote-unquote health care for those who are mentally ill and how she's come around now to be a I can't remember I think a psychiatrist herself but is really changing uh, very 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 impactful in changing how we understand this experience of voices in our head now obviously it's a topic fairly near and dear to shamanism but as I listened to her, I wondered how many therapists and psychiatrists are listening to her and actually allowing their beliefs, which are pretty much the fundamental beliefs in their practice, to change. Is it changing how they treat the next person who walks in the door of their treatment room? Are we doing anything to change the story? Because if we don't change ourselves... And how we live each day, what we think and what we do, we're not changing the story. So anyway, as you can see, I was stuck in traffic for a long time mulling thing, these things over in my head. So what about this show? What about Why Shamanism Now? Well, I happen to know that people are actually changing their thoughts and actions based on the show, which is a deep relief and enormously nourishing for me. Um, this is a beautiful thing. You know, it means that these little rocks I toss out into the great pond of life hit ashore and ripple back and help me to know that things are changing. And this is important for us to know. Every one of us has days we really need to know um, that there's good work in the world. And people are probably changing based on the TED Talks too. But how are we really doing? So this was my solstice question. How are we really doing? You know, the solstice is a time of balance and equilibrium. It's also a time, though, of taking stock, of charting the next cycle of things. So how are we doing in changing ourselves so that we can change the story for the people? We were charged with specific things to watch out for by the four great teachers and specific strategic relationships to develop. So how are we doing with that? You know, humanity has very serious challenges facing us today that are largely the result of the old story and the old story's patterns of thinking and taking action. Um, in America alone, uh, here are a few very, very real and vast, all-encompassing issues. The primary on my mind today being the ridiculous, ineffective, wasteful, and vitriolic political system in America – Another would be thousands of soldiers without the skilled support needed to heal from their experiences in active service. Then we have the deep soul sickness of thousands and thousands of uninitiated teens, boys and girls, who have no one to guide them to become men and women. We have mountains, mountains of unresolved ancestral issues driving adults again and again into the same poor choices that their ancestors made. 
not only the same poor choices, but the same poor perspective on what's even possible. The same poor way of looking at the world and not seeing it in another way. And then we also have a mental health care system that is so sick itself that it doesn't even understand it's in crisis. And in the meantime, Americans are getting fatter, poorer, and more helpless and more hopeless. And while all that's happening, life in the Pacific Ocean is now dying off. I mean, this could be hideously depressing. It could be really, really depressing if we did not understand that these are all the logical conclusion of the old story. They're not the logical conclusion of reality. They are the logical conclusion of the old story and the momentum of that story in the old world. And this means that we must do two things. We must change to a new story, which means we must change ourselves. And we have to deal with the reality that's created by the old story. It has great great momentum. As we are seeing now, one of the things, one of the reasons I started thinking about this was I started noticing in September as we were coming up to the equinox that where that had been, there had been a loosening of the grip of the old story up until September, that by about September, many of the old power systems really started to um, grasp again to hold on to what is slipping between their fingers. And I believe it is slipping between their fingers because things are simply going to crash based on their own stupidity and lack of sustainability. Um, but, but there was really this, this, this desperate grasp that shifted in September, which really made me think about, okay, so for those of us that would like to see things change, that aren't grasping to hold on to how it has been, how are we doing? So uh, that's my question. So I believe that we, the people, will actually be able to rise up and to serve these issues um, of our collective cultural illness if shamans and shamanic practices and the result of that are part of the conversation. I believe that these issues cannot and will not change in any way if shamanic skills, shamanic relationship with spirit shamans are not part of the conversation. I believe that humanity has the capacity to change all of this, but that we must use our capacity to work in an accurate, viable, honorable working relationship with spirit if we're going to be able to get our way, find our way out of what frankly appears to be impossible. You know, but in my life, this is what reminds me I'm supposed to journey is the very thought this is impossible. I go, oh, great job for spirit. Not that spirit will do it, but that I need to take this impossible situation to spirit through my shamanic skill set to understand what needs to happen. And that spirit will help me. So the most important thing is that we can change these things. However, the seeds of change... Because there are many seeds of change out there, certainly not just people listening to Why Shamanism Now or TED Talks. I mean, there's beautiful seeds of change all around the world. But seeds must fall into the fertile ground. The ground itself must be fertile. And we are that ground. We the people are that ground. And we must become fertile. So let's look at where we are. 
Let's assess how far we have come in changing the story in our own lives since the new year. Let's just review and assess here. And get out your pens and pencils because the journey questions are going to be flying. Okay. So first off, we the healer talked to us about um, we assume health. Uh, but we live lives wildly out of balance relative to our soul and what our true self actually needs to be healthy. That we assume our life depends on preserving or our health depends on preserving the life that we have, but does it? And the healer said, I think not. Remember that the healer's wisdom is not so much about how to heal, but about how to live well. And that requires open communication with the body because the wisdom of the body is actually the wisdom of healing. Another way to say that very much more practically is simply that we have no idea how to heal. We don't understand it. The body just doesn't. So if we can get out of the way, the body will do it. And so we know many, many ways to support the body in doing what it does naturally but we do not actually understand uh, the essence energy that the body's wisdom around healing arises out of. We're very, very good about getting in its way, and, we're, and we are now learning again how to get out of the way. But the true wisdom of the body is healing. Uh, so the healer spoke of this time as a time potentially just potentially of great healing for you, for me, for us, if we step out of our fear and greet this time of change with open arms. And that the way to do that, if you remember that show, I asked, well, how do we do that? You know, the way to do that is to embrace death as an ally. And what this really means in a practical sense in life is getting to a place where we easily recognize the need to release and release. We recognize the need to surrender and surrender. We recognize the need to have faith and we have faith. That we, we recognize these moments in life where we are being asked to let go and we do it. And we don't whine about it and gnash our teeth and, gris, and grasp and, and carry on. But we, we, we turn to death, who is our ally, who is at our side, and we just say, is, this, is it time for this to die? And when death gives us the big nod, we let it go. And I, in the last two weeks, I cannot tell you the number of people who have said to me almost this exact quote, I understand I need to let this die, but I don't know how. If death were your ally, you would know who to go ask about how do I do this. But this is a great um, legacy of the old story, is an absolute inability, uh, a lack of intuition and knowing about how we let go of something, particularly some huge aspect of ourself. So it's very, very important. Okay, so death said very simply, as if death was stating the obvious, is that there is very little in your contemporary lives that you could not live without. This is really important because it's really about energy and where your energy is going. So death said there's very little in our contemporary lives we couldn't actually live without, and we need to accept that. 
and enjoy that, enjoy what's here and be prepared to let go. So the journey questions that we could be asking here are really about letting go. One would be, what must I release to embrace death as an ally and bring my life into a balance that supports both my body's and my soul's well-being? So to gain the inner freedom and actually listen accurately to your body, to have that inner inner freedom, that balance, that well-being, you have to learn that your consciousness and your unconsciousness are both choosing all the time. And that is all that we have to grasp, actually. If we could get that, then we could change everything. And getting this is necessary if anything new is going to manifest, because otherwise you're just simply unconsciously manifesting all that you have been. Um, and it isn't enough to just focus your conscious intention and your attention, that you must actually release energy. So we must release our unconscious also from its need to manifest what we refuse to see and feel and remember. Uh, we must focus on our intention and our attention on clearing the emotional energies and incomplete experiences that we carry in our bodies. In other words, we must clear the patterns of energy that keep us repeating cycles from the past. And I don't necessarily mean, I mean, I do mean the big full cycles you can recognize as why well, I'm doing this again. But I mean the momentary little ones, meaning the way you react to things, the things that keep you from being able to respond to the moment, because you can't even actually see the real moment because you're already reacting based on your projections from the past. This is so incredibly pervasive. And I've actually heard people say, I don't know how to not be myself. Well, this isn't yourself. This is your habit. It's not the same thing. So we need to learn to release. This is death as the ally. We need to learn to release these energies um, and incomplete experiences that we carry. And when we can clear these, um, then we can... So when we learn to clear these, we need to do this as a practice and not wait for life to force us to do the clearing, but simply to do the clearing by choice. So my other question is, since the brand new year, have you learned a new clearing practice? Have you learned a clearing practice that allows you, you, not a practitioner, but you, to actually clear the energies held in the patterns in your body? And if you have, are you using it? If you already had one, are you using it? If not, then I suggest this journey. And this is really important. Drives my students a little bit crazy. But I actually feel journeying to understand why I'm not doing what I know I need to be doing is one of the most important journeys we take over and over and over again. Because understanding why I'm not doing something when I know I need to be doing it, allows me then to unfold that whole reason and to clear that reason. It allows me to learn how to get out of my own way. And that is so important. And, and in many ways, people only ask, what are the new things I need to be doing? How can I change this and change that and go forward? Instead of recognizing we already know what we need to be doing. The question is, why am I not doing it? What is really going on? What is the deeper reason I am not doing this? And to pursue 
the answer to that question until we have cleared that energy, then we'll very easily be able to do what it is we know we need to be doing. Okay, so where was I? So have you actually learned a clearing practice? Are you using it? If you're not using it, why? What is the true source? This is a good journey question. So what is the true source of my resistance to learning to clear the energies that keep my body from its freedom to heal? And again, this, is, this question is not crafted from a space of blame and judgment. It's crafted from a place of personal responsibility. What am I doing that clogs up my body's ability to do what it knows to do? How am I getting in my own way? Now, if you want to learn my clearing practice, the one that I teach, the next time I will be teaching this is January 2014 at Rowe Conference Center. It's in Massachusetts. It's my one East Coast class in uh, 2014. For those of you on the East Coast who want to come, uh, we've got lots of space. You can register now through Rowe Center. Just Google Rowe, R-W, sorry, R-O-W-E, um, Rowe uh, camp and conference center and you can register there we're not registering through last mass center but that's the next time i'll be teaching my clearing class no prerequisites everybody needs it come on down okay so that was the healer the healer talked about our need to learn to get out of the way of our body's innate ability to heal and to understand how we are all the many ways that we are in the way and get on with it So then the warrior came forward and spoke of understanding the simple fact that we have utterly lost the true power of action, our understanding of the true power of action, that we have created this new age myth that actions don't matter uh, because intention is everything. It's all about the mind. I mean, there's so much of the new age has given us um, new language to give ourselves an excuse to continue to crawl up into our heads and not actually do anything. It's um, frightening, actually, if you understand it from a shamanic perspective. So what the warrior was saying is we have lost the true power of action, that we have created this myth that action doesn't matter, that it's all intention. And that um, this, this message from the warrior was the message that doing what you know to do was about eating what you know you should eat and don't eat those things you know you're not supposed to eat. Do your practices. Do your physical practices, do your aerobic practices, do your altar practices, do your journeying practices, do your practices. I mean, this is, this practices is another way of talking about using that power of addictions and habits to drive us away from health and well-being. You know, doing our practices is a way to use that same repetitious energy to drive us towards health and well-being. So do your practices, Right. Do your loving, love your life, love yourself, love your people, love your land, love all the non-human beings around you. Do these things. Don't think about these things. Do the, I mean, you have to think about them, but do them. Don't just think about them and unwind the reasons that you do so many things in your life that serve the wrong master. You know, do what you know you need to do and unwind the things you know you shouldn't be doing, right? The warrior explained that one aspect of true power of action is that your actions show spirit what you want to create. It's not just what you intend or visualize. It's what you do that shows spirit 
where you're going to, or it's what you do that is exactly where you're going to get help doing it. Right? So, so it's not that spirit isn't paying attention to what you're intending or visualizing. But if you intend to visualize one thing over here and then you go off in the other direction and do a bunch of stuff over in a way that is apart from or different from your visualization, well, spirit's going to really help you do what you're doing. And you know, it's going to kind of help you with your intention and your visualization, but spirit's really going to get behind what you're doing because that's where your energy is committed into action. So spirit's like, woohoo, let's go. But what if that's the part of your life that isn't really working? Right, So it's important to understand action because it shows spirit where you want help. And so our greatest power comes then when we actually align our words and our actions and we get spirit helping us in both places. So your actions create the world you live in. My actions create the world I live in. They show us where our heart is. And this is so hard because of so many people that have such good hearts. And they are so tortured by what is going on in the world out there. And so certain it has nothing to do with their actions. And yet one of the hardest things to understand about everything being connected and the fact that the outer world has to reflect our inner world is that is if this is what you are noticing, if this is what you are suffering over, then in some way you are committing the same thing internally in your own life. And it's really important to understand that. So, our, or your actions then create the world that you live in, as mine create mine. And they show us where, they, they show us, meaning the warrior was telling us from a spirit perspective that our actions show the spirit world where our heart is. They direct the spirit world to where you want help to create and your actions shape the world, not just what you intend, but more powerfully where you choose to act. So journey questions could be, uh, what do my actions, now that you're talking to spirit, right? So what do my actions show you about what has heart and meaning in my life? This can be a very sobering but clarifying answer. So you can see how your actions are showing the spirit world what, what has heart and meaning. Um, but it's showing the spirit world the wrong things because it's based so strongly on your actions. And so, so you want to be able to see what are you communicating to spirit? And if you don't like that, then the next journeys are how do you change that? So that you really, your actions, your, your visualizations and intentions and your actions are all showing spirit the same thing. So if you look at your life through that lens that spirit's given you, then it begins to beg the question then, what have you released? Uh, do you spend, out, spend hours a day at a meaningless job uh, that do nothing to feed or care for others? Do you give your sweat and heart to a business that causes harm to life um, in any of life's many forms? And do you take great care that every dollar you spend goes to support the growth and maintenance of the things that you value or not? Do you just pay for it because it's there and not think about where your money is going? All of these things communicate to spirits. So journey, a journey that you could take would be show me what my daily practice would look like if I gave it gave it the devotion I currently give my addictions, habits, and comforts. 
So show me what my daily practice would look like if I gave it the devotion I currently give to my addictions, habits, and comforts. It's a really good question. Then given that, what is the first step? Is it to act, do you actually need a daily practice to devote yourself to? Um, or you, do you need to find out about how to convert funds? In other words, how do I transform all of that energy going into my addictions and habits into currency, you know, into energy that I can use to do my practices? I'm actually thinking about this right now in my own life. And this is one of the things that I've seen as the new world has changed my perspective on my own life. I've seen, hmm, this thing is, is, is probably unnecessary. This is probably an, an unnecessary addiction. How can I transform this energy into the energy I need to step up my practice? I mean, I'm, I'm asking myself these same questions. I'm a person too here in the new world trying to understand how do I let go of the momentum of the old world and become a force for this new story? Um, I'm asking myself these very same questions. So in our little journey into the new, into the new world, then the teacher came to us and explained that the biggest challenge for people to understand in the new world will be their sovereignty. Sovereignty is supreme power or dominion, and dominion is the power or the right of governing. So sovereignty is your supreme power to govern yourself, and it carries with it your supreme responsibility to govern yourself, to govern your energy, to govern your thoughts, to govern your choices, to govern your physical health. So for example, let's take your physical health. This is not the right to be healthy or unhealthy as you want to. That's not what sovereignty is. It is about your right and your responsibility to govern your life choices so that you are healthy. And this will allow you to use your power with accuracy and efficacy. So sovereignty isn't about your right to do whatever you want because that's childish and irresponsible. Sovereignty is also about understanding responsibility that comes with power and using both well. So the teacher continued that you must now question in in this new world, we must now question any tenant of religion or government that sets one human over another based on some category like gender or race or nation. And that we must each question the very foundation of our beliefs that set humans over other living things on the planet or over the planet herself. So that the teacher is saying, if we are ever to understand our own sovereignty, power, and responsibility, that we need to question the very foundational principles that issues or energies like power and responsibility are rooted in, out in the old world, in the old story, and and change that in the new story, the new world. (coughs) Excuse me. So a journey question would be, show me the hidden beliefs that I carry that set me apart from other living things. And ask this about all life, not just other people. But what are the hidden beliefs that you carry? We carry many hidden beliefs that we're often horrified to realize that we carry. But we carry them because they seeped in. They came in in our family. They came in from the media. 
They came in from the culture and the time that we're in. They came in from beliefs of being part of a nation. They seep in and we don't realize we carry beliefs that cause great separation. Another journey question could be, how can I use my true sovereignty to clear those hidden beliefs? So a way to begin to use the energy that you have, that you're sort of not using, to use it in a way that clears the way to be even better able to access your sovereignty and power. Another question could be, could be show me the ways I am irresponsible with my power. And that would include both in its use and in its disuse. To not use the power you've been given in this life. To play small, to never take up space, is not a way to avoid misusing power. Because in and of itself, that disuse is a misuse of power. And it harms others. Because the part you are meant to play in the great tapestry, in the great song, the things you're meant to bring to the world aren't present in a way they need to be so that others are able to do what they are meant to do with their lives. So to not show up isn't a way to avoid abusing power because to not show up in and of itself is an abuse of power. Every single human being alive is consuming resources every day. To just not eat meat doesn't fix it, people. We are all eating. We are all consuming resources. If we just think of the food, the water, and the air, we just think of that and the heat, whatever it is necessary to keep us alive. We are consuming of those elements every single day. What are you giving back that could possibly be worth all of the resources it takes to keep a human being alive? So to not use your power to consume all of these resources and not step up to what you have come here to do is a huge abuse of power. An enormous waste of resources. So the question is sovereignty. How do I understand the hand-in-hand relationship of power and responsibility and step up to my calling in a good way, whatever that might be, and to do so in a way that shows love and compassion for myself and other living things? So this is this question then about show me the ways I am irresponsible with my power. And for many of you, the biggest irresponsibility in your life around power is in how you treat yourself and how that then plays out in what is manifest in the world to reflect that back to you. Another question in this realm could be, what must I sacrifice to become truly responsible day in and day out with my power? What must I sacrifice to become truly responsible? So the teacher talked to us about how you must come to understand that your true merit as a human, your true merit rises and falls according to the energy of your life. Not your birth, not your skin color, not who you want to have sex with, not the silver spoon that either is or isn't in your mouth at birth. Your sovereignty is innate and you must understand that your true merit rises and falls according to your actions. Not your beliefs, not whether you think you're part of the chosen group, 
uh, not your visions because you're a light worker and you have a great vision for the future, um, but through your actions. So your true merit rises and falls according to what you create in the world and what gets created from what you create. And this is ultimately, I guess, the remedy for the challenge in the teacher's teachings is what can we sacrifice now so that leaders rise, so that sovereignty is held by all, and that the mastery of our true calling is the responsibility of each adult? What must be sacrificed now so that leaders rise naturally out of the people, that sovereignty is held by all, not just a few, and that the mastery of our true calling is, is understood by every adult as their responsibility, as their adult responsibility. What must we sacrifice to know these things? And perhaps one of the most important journey questions is what must you sacrifice to be the person the new world needs you to be? What must you sacrifice right here and right now? Because remember... I think it was death. Death told us there is very little in our contemporary life we actually need. We can live without most of it. So what must you sacrifice to become the person the new world needs you to be? And this way of thinking really leads us to the visionary. And the visionary began with the question, what does it take to envision a truly new future? How do you open to possibilities that have not yet existed for you? How do you know what you cannot know? And there's only one way. I believe that humans do this, and it is is through co-creating with spirit, through understanding together with spirit. So the visionary spoke um, about how our personal past, our family past, our cultural past, our ancestral past, that these at this moment are mostly a hindrance. What you have to learn from these things is within you. You know, what is valuable to carry forward is within you. Stop carrying the rest of it around. Let it go. It has nothing for you in this new world that is coming. All it did was train you to survive in the old world. And the visionary continued, do not allow yourself to be discouraged by these messages. Speak the truth, your truth, and listen to the truths of others. Listen for the truth of the wind. Listen for the truth of the time, this new time. The time that wants to be sung into existence. So a journey you could do, if this is one of those shows you forgot about and didn't didn't do anything about yet, you could do this journey. Please take me to a place where I can hear the song that wants to be sung into existence as the new world. You could also journey and ask, what do I carry within that makes me deaf to this song? And mostly what we carry is the old song. Another journey could be, please take me to a place where I can hear the new song in resonance with my little song, the song that sings you into existence. And listen there in the journey to the big song, the new song that wants to be sung into existence, resonating with your song. And listen there until you feel your longing growing in your loins 
for you, for the true you, for that life. And listen there to these two songs in harmony, in resonance, until you feel the memory stir in your heart for why you are here. Do this journey regularly. It's not about forgetting why you're here now. Now it's about allowing this new world to dream you into that person that the new world needs you to be. Imagine bringing that energy only into the world, this energy of this resonance that makes your, the longing in your loins fire up and the memory in your heart stir. Imagine bringing only that energy into the world. As you imagine literally doing that in your day, not in a big fantasy story, but literally bringing that energy out in the day, what arises up in your imagination to stop you? And then journey to discover the true source of each of these stoppers within yourself. And journey to discover the path necessary to clear it. So these were the messages from the great teachers. And they encourage us to use our shamanic skills to take stock and where we need to, to correct our course. And where we have done well, please let us plan to celebrate. Let this winter solstice be a great celebration of the many ways that we have changed, that we have listened to the song, that we have begun to step forward out of the old story and into the new. These actions, large and small, but particularly small, they must be celebrated if we are to become the fertile ground for the seeds of change. So until then, though, until this winter solstice, let's use our shamanic skills to course correct and to dive more deeply into the personal transformation that song is calling out of each one of us. So one thing that is important, that is embedded in our shamanic practices, since most of us learned those skills in the old story, is that we need to cultivate a loving, reciprocal relationship with spirit. The old story is a religious story and a dictatorial story, a story with masters who were always right and fathers you were supposed to respect regardless of their behavior. Uh, And thus, we import this judgment and guilt and trying to learn the rules to do it right directly into our practice of shamanism where it is not appropriate. With all of this also can come a righteousness. I have seen it in shamanic circles uh, when we meet to journey that there is this, this rigid sense of what is right and this shaming and guilting people when they know another way or they don't remember. It's, it's really frankly no better than a bunch of high school kids in the lunchroom. The new story requires that you see yourself in the other as a matter of course. The new story requires that we risk doing it wrong for the possibility of something actually working now for all living things. I mean, the new story requires that we do it wrong, perhaps on purpose, relative to the old story. It requires that we move counter to that culture, move counter to perhaps our intuition that developed in the old way um, so that we, we don't accept the old story or our part in it, that we step out of it on purpose. I'm not talking about a rebellion 
or an outward rebellion and um, conti- and continuing as rebellions do to engage in judgment and control and creating separation. I'm talking about using your shamanic practice to support and cultivate your ability to be inclusive and accepting while maintaining the standards in your own new life. You got to learn to say yes and no without guilt or shame or judgment. You've got to learn to clarify and maintain your standards versus trying to control other people. Oh my God, don't put your feather on the floor. You've got to learn this difference between standards and principles versus control and rules. And all of this is to get us out of the habit of creating relationships based on anything other than love. Shamanism is about intimate connection, spiritually and energetically, and intimacy cannot flourish in environments of control, judgment, guilt, and shame. We also need to see and understand that before the old story, Shamans actually practiced in conjunction with other healers and medicine people and storytellers. And one way that the old story strongly manifests in our current training of shamans is in the blindness of teachers and also students where they see the only point in any of this is to become the shaman. And that we're not actually understanding the many diverse roles that we could be in to create the full complement of support and inspiration and healing um, that uh, come from a relationship with spirit. So I see this in students who want their certificate as soon as possible without having to leave home, without having to look at their shadow or get their hands dirty um, growing up that wounded child. And who, by the way, is actually running the show most of the time. I can't imagine something more dangerous than someone with shamanic skills whose life is still being run unconsciously by their wounded child. And that describes a large portion of the people learning shamanic skills. The immaturity of the spiritual epidemic in the old world is alive and well in shamanic trainings around the world. This simply allowing... Um, one of the things that religions have done in their practice, not necessarily in their teachings, but in their practice, is to infantilize people. And so this immaturity of spirit is considered normal these days, and it's been brought into people's shamanic practice. It's very much alive and well in ayahuasca tourism, and it is alive and well in pop shamanism. I mean, what makes pop shamanism pop is that it's popular. And what makes things popular is this aura of newness and hipness and the exotic packaged for ease of consumption. Training to be a shaman shouldn't be easy and hip and fun. I mean, it should be fun, actually, but it shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be consumable by the populace because everybody isn't meant to be a shaman. It shouldn't be popular. It should be available for those who are called. And training, the, the investment here in training is about training to be shamans. It's not about training to be fully human. So within this, then, we were given the, the suggestion that we develop relationships uh, with certain energies so that our shamanism and our life would move towards what it needs to be for the new world and the new story and would move out of a particular kind of blindness inherent in the old story. And so um, death 
asked us to be ready to release what no longer serves us. So what have you challenged yourself to release? Um, and so this is, this is the big question as we enter into the new world. What if you took death as an ally and cleared the clutter of your life on purpose instead of waiting for illness or an accident to force you to do so? Have you released what is necessary to forge your working relationship with the unknown? Have you courted or cultivated a loving relationship here? We must learn right now to be at peace with the unknown, to accept the unknown, not as the enemy, but as an ally on this journey. So the journey question offered for you was, what would it feel like if the unknown were a trusted ally? And what steps do I need to take to make that so? Did you do these journeys? What were the steps? Did you take them? What is your relationship now with the unknown? If you cannot have a loving relationship with the unknown, you are not practicing shamanism. You are practicing some old world religious version of what is sort of approximating shamanism. Shamanism is deeply about cultivating relationship with the great mystery, with the unknown and the unknowable. And those are not just other words for God. They are words for themselves. So have you released what is necessary to free your wild heart? The wild heart alley brings us into intimacy, which is so essential for a true shamanic relationship with the spirit world. Intimacy intimacy is necessary for true nourishment. Intimacy that sustains pleasure in our connections. And intimacy that is necessary to cultivate a primary relationship with your true self. Have you done the journeys you must do to find the steps to cultivate this intimacy in your life? And have you taken those steps? If we are to craft a truly new story in our time for the new world, we must have the courage to be not only the dreamers we were born to be, but we must also be the fire and the water in equal respect and regard. And these were the journeys that were offered. Have you taken them? What have you released? You were asked, where is the aggression in your relationship with your work in the world, in your intimate life or lack of one, in your community of friends and loved ones? And then the companion journey, what is the true yin I must cultivate to transform my aggression into precision? Another set, another pairing of journeys you were asked to take is, where have I allowed arrogance into the quality of my relationships? My relationships with myself, with my heart, with my thoughts, with my dynamics with spirit. And the companion journey is, what is the true yin I must cultivate to transform my arrogance into excellence? And we were asked, what is the ambition driving my relationship with work in the world, in my intimate life or lack of one, or in my community of friends and loved ones? And what is the true yin I must cultivate to transform this ambition into devotion? We must remember that the old story, at the very root of the old story, is a great lie, and that is the lie of separation. However, to separate yin from yang is to create falseness. And have you... Have you journeyed to expose the root of separation within yourself, the falseness within yourself? And more importantly, have you taken the steps necessary to cleanse and purify yourself of the lie of separation? 
There are many, many qualities of true yin that were not honored in the old story. Solitude, groundedness, connectedness, accountability, dependability, rejuvenation, restoration. I mean, these things are valued, but not the time it takes to do them. Emotional well-being, not valued in the old story. Deep feeling, not valued. Integrity, not valued. Collecting, not valued. It was all about go forth, young man. Seek the next thing, constant profits. Frankly, this is the medicine most of us need within ourselves. Without our ability to ally with our own darkness, we cannot learn to, ex- to access and cultivate these qualities within ourselves. So partly you were challenged to make darkness your ally. Have you done this? So these were many, many things that we were offered to do Have we done them? And so I suggest at this moment in this transition between the summer and the fall, or let's see, between winter and spring, for those of you in the southern hemisphere of the life of the world, it's still a transitional time. Let us take stock. Let us course correct. Let us make list of that which we must celebrate together, but let us correct our course. If we are to create a world different, From this one, we must do what is needed to change our core beliefs. Vision is not just about having a different vision. That's new agey. Shamanism says we have to change the dream. The dream is not just our vision. The dream is that full river of energy from the beginning, from the first dreamer, through the vision, through the heart, to the actions that then manifest the dream. And our actions come out of our beliefs. And to align our actions with the dream of a new world, we must also align our beliefs. We must become new people. And we must hold a new vision to be sure. But we must also become new people if that vision is ever to become real. So thank you, everyone, for listening, for journeying, for acting. I give thanks to the ancestors, to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Next week, we are honored to have um, as our guest, Don Oscar Miro Quesada, who is returning. He will be talking about his new book, Lessons in Courage, right on time, since we probably need courage to deal with all the journeys we connected with today. And in this book, he talks about how the key, that courage itself is the key to the healing and transformation that we need. So thank you all. Have a great week.